Magic the Flavoring, the Magic the Gathering podcast, where we talk about all things magic, flavor design, and lore. I'm your host, Andy Mann. Hello, this is Nathan Cancel. And today, we have a very special guest, a long-awaited guest. He is a member of the Commander Advisory Group. He is a member of the Wizards of the Coast broadcast team. He is a proprietor, proprietor, is that the word? Proprietor. Thank you, of the finest gaming bar in London, nay, the UK, nay, Europe, the world, I can't verify that, I barely go outside of Europe, <laughs> but most of all, most importantly, Nathan, he is, dare I say, a friend? We have friends. We do. He can defeat, like, refute this if he needs to. <laughs> Mr. Tim Willoughby, welcome to the show. Hello, my friends. <laughs> Hello. I was referring to the listeners, but also oh, to Jesus. you. Oh, Jesus. Also to you. Oh, we're done. We're already over. Um, we are recording once again in my lovely boat, hence why there will be sounds of, like, birds going by and joggers and God knows what Fog else. Foghorns. Foghorns. So, uh, and also, this is the first ever time we're recording with three people around one microphone. So who knows how this is going to sound, but it's been a long time coming. We tried to get you on this podcast a few times, but you're a busy man. There's there's a lot of buns in a lot of ovens, a lot of pans and a lot of fires, yeah. but we've managed to make it work. Yeah. We've got a good topic for today, I think. Yes, we absolutely another, do. Another thing that's been a long time coming. Yes, I had no idea where you were going with that. Yeah, we've been a little... Well, accurate segue. That's yeah, it is was. a good segue. I nice. thought it was something a little bit roundier. But no. no, no, it is a good segue. Um, we are talking today about Commodore Guff. Yay. Not Lord of the Rings. That's all the hype right no, now. We never talk about what's going on <laughs> No, well, we can't be asked. But today we're talking about Commodore Guff. He's finally got a card. Nearly. Nearly. Soon. Yeah. I Soon. don't know when this goes out, but... This will, be, this will be going out the way that we recorded, so you are more accurate. He is going to soon have a card in the upcoming... Is it Commander... I think it's Commander Masters Commander Pre-Cons. Masters mm-hmm. Pre-Cons. Yeah, I almost said Commander Legends. The ones that are going to be really expensive. Yeah. they decide to do a new sliver. Yeah. Well, Drazi. And the reason that we've got you on now, Tim, because we've been, we've been playing Magic together and we've been playing at your various incarnations of your wonderful gaming bar now for a good few years. like Ages. Ages now. I mean, time is a river that we can't <laughs> yeah. navigate anymore. Yeah. But... Yeah, for I'm, ages. I mean, I'm yes. pretty sure anyone who listens to this podcast could timestamp the first time we name-dropped yourself and Gav, and then every time subsequent, and we've been playing there years before we've done that. Mm. Um, but your favourite character... Is it, I don't know if favourite character is the right word, but the one that you're most intrigued by... No, it's my favourite character. Okay, Come on, Gordon Guff is rad, and by the end of this, hopefully you'll all agree. Yeah, because not a lot of people do. <laughs> He's a divisive character. I, I, I think it's just the... You know, I don't think everyone knows him quite like I do, Um, (laughs) which is reasonable because I think he's not had a fair shake of it thus far. And arguably, I'm not sure he's getting that fair a shake of it going forward. Interesting. Mm. All right. So let's just do a little bit of a rundown of Commodore Guff, uh, who the character is before we talk about the card that has been revealed for Commander Masters. And then we'll be moving on to what Tim, as a Guff Uber fan, an Uber fan of Guff. There's no funny way of saying that. It should be. A Kafour? No, I don't like that. Uh, You've come up with your own designs for Commodore Guff. Yes. Yes, but we'll we'll get we'll get to it. We need the narrative. We need the narrative. Because the narrative 
should explain the cards and vice versa. Yes, exactly. absolutely. So here's my here's my super quick rundown of who Commodore Guff is, and then Tim, with any information or any sort of knowledge that you have of the character, you can jump in with some deeper lore. So Commodore Guff is an old walker um, and was part of the group of nine titans that Urza grouped together, nine titan planeswalkers, to defeat the original Phyrexian invasion. Uh, Commodore Guff is one of those weird characters because... He is aware, seemingly, potentially aware, of the fact that they are in a at least a multiverse, if not a fictional multiverse, because there's a lot of fourth wall breaks. In all the books that Commodore Guff has appeared in, in the comics, they always do a bit of a Deadpool before Deadpool was doing Deadpool and do fourth wall breaks. He lives in a hidden library, mm-hmm. and so his whole shtick is about books. You might have seen him on card arts of things like Index is a card art that he's quite famous for. Any other than Nathan off the top of my head? Uh, Wild Research. Wild Research, yeah, yeah, all those kinds of guys. Basically, he's the big ginger guy with the monocle and a big robe. So you will know if you see this character. And now he's got a Planeswalker card. What What about this character draws you to him? So, part of it... like. He, d- he looks rad. Like if, you look, if, you look, <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you look at Wild Research or uh, Planeswalker's Mirth, he's on mm. um, uh, he's on Index as well. Uh, I think I literally we've now mentioned every single card he's been referenced. Yeah, he's not been in many. Di- diversionary Tactics. Oh, all right. Diversionary um, Tactics. Look at that. N- yeah. Like, he's not in many cards. Um, of the nine Titans, he was, to some extent, the comic relief. Yeah. Um, but the reason he was a comic relief was because, like, in principle, he lives in this library that's got every book that's ever been written or ever will be written, and he's read all of them. <laughs> so he knows how the story ends. Yeah. Mm. And spoiler alert for a book that came out in 2001. <laughs> uh, essentially, he is able to be pivotal in stopping the Frexian invasion by literally taking a history book for the future and rewriting it. Not to make it a spectacular success, but to make it possible that they could win, mm. where previously it was not possible they could win. He mm. literally changed history by rewriting the books. And, yeah, within the the sort of lore, and I first was introduced to him by one of the editors for Magic, who also has a massive thing for thinking Commodore Goff is amazing, that essentially this is the character that has not only realised that they're in a book. So in the books, there's various bits where he makes reference to the editor of the book that he's in. Yeah. That that was like the first set of fourth wall breaks. But it's at least within head canon, if not real canon, that he has come to realise that he is a character in a collectible card game called Magic the Gathering. And as such, he's got a very laissez-faire attitude to things. <laughs> because he's like, you know what? Everything goes wrong. I am just a character that's been devised for this card game. And that's all. And so, like, where you see him being very jolly and Planeswalker's mirth and so on, effectively, that's his coping mechanism for the fact that he's come to be truly, maybe not omnipotent, but omniscient. Yeah. Um, that he can, he can see everything and see how it all fits together. And, like, as such, he's a really interesting character within the whole of the pantheon of... Um, even within the Nine Titans. Yeah, because you have people like, is it Tevish Zat was one of the Nine Tevish Titans, the nine, as yeah. was Lord but Windgrace was Windgrace, one of them. Windgrace, Freilies, Christina. Mm. Yeah, it's so all these big hitters in Magic Law, And also, if we're talking from a... Like, we're all Commander players. So, like, in terms of Commander Magic gameplay, they're all big names that people recognise from those sort of... Like, most of them in Made Into Cards, yeah? Yeah, and yeah. also pretty, like... I mean, Windgrace and Freilies, and arguably Tevish Zat, have been pretty notorious planeswalkers yeah. themselves. Well, we haven't had a Bolivar, Dario... Or a Christina. Well, Bolivar at least is coming out the same time as Commodore Guff. I don't think we've seen what he does yet. No. But, like, I think that 
so the new product that's coming out is essentially a commander deck where Commodore guffs the face card, and I think that it is a nod to some of these nine titans that haven't seen a card yet. I can't imagine that it, just based on the colours that it'll have all of the titans in. That would be weird and not really right. Mm-hmm. But there'll be at least a few of them in there. Um, so for them completionists that are looking for all of the all of the nine titans, mm-hmm. we might get a little bit closer. Nice, cool. Do we know what this guff card does, Nathan? Have you got it in front of you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Excellent. Right, so this is the card that got revealed when they did a little sneaky peek of Commander Masters, what, like two months ago, something like that? Yes, and I've been frothing ever since. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, we've got a card. What does it do? Commodore Commodore Guff, uh, a generic blue, red, white for a legendary planeswalker Guff. What a line of text. Um, At the beginning of your end step, put a loyalty counter on another target planeswalker you control. Plus one to create a 1-1 one, one red wizard creature token with tap, add a red, spend this mana only to cast a planeswalker spell. Minus three, you draw X cards and Commodore Guff deals X damage to each opponent where X is the number of planeswalkers you control. Commodore, Commodore Guff can be your commander and it starts with five loyalty. Cool. So, I mean, nothing jumps out to me to be particularly broken or not, but not a bad card. Not, no, bad not card. a great card. A somewhere in the middle card. All right. Well, so let's go, let's go from the top down. And maybe talk about each individual section, and like you know the the colours, the textbooks, mm-hmm. all this kind of thing. Maybe talk about what is not quite right. Maybe what works about this card, and then maybe we'll expand into your own thoughts and feelings about what Commodore Guff should do. So first of all, I mean, four mana Jess guy. What do you think about that? Is four mana too low for a Planeswalker of that power? Do you reckon? I mean, I think that for the text on the card, four mana is probably fine, and mm-hmm. Jess guy is the right colours. Yeah, like. All of the cards that he's ever been on have been a mix. So, like, Wild Research being the best example mm. is effectively a Jeskai card. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's impulsive. Red, cool. Fine with that. He knows a lot of stuff. Yeah, blue, cool with that. And ultimately, he is trying to look out for everyone else. White, yeah, fine with that. Like, yeah. I can't... He's, he's not green or black. So, sure. I think it makes sense that he is the colours he is. That much, so far... Cool, but yeah, I mean, for the card itself, four mana is fine. But we're saying maybe for the character. I mean, they're an old walker. Yeah, I mean, yeah. consider the difficulty. So, because I guess the idea, right, is when it comes to mana cost for planeswalkers, is that the amount that it kind of takes for you to gain their loyalty? Because for someone like saying the new Urza planeswalker card, it takes you require having the creature and the um, might and weak stone, and then combining them together to be able to, you know, bring him about and put him onto the battlefield on your side. I guess you could argue that he's more likely to want to join your side. So four mana is probably as much as he'd charge you. Sure. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. I think I think that's all correct. I think that's pretty good. I think the basic line is going to be that you can't make a you, you know we're not going to be able to make a guff that's as powerful as an old walker guff might necessarily be. No. I mean the the, the well, 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 we'll, we'll get there. Can. We'll get there. But, I mean if you if you look at what they've done especially in recent magic history I mean if you look at aftermath even in this narrative they've gone so far against the idea of having planeswalkers at all like yeah. they've literally thrown them in the bin. So I think Which, yeah. Defensible, I yeah. think. Oh, like, absolutely. They've had they've had their time. <laughs> I mean, honestly, in some respects, because again, spoiler alert for a book that came out in two thousand one, um, Commodore Guff dies in Apocalypse. Like mm. he essentially puts himself in a position where he knows that he's going to die. He's fine with it. He's seen the future anyway. It's fine. But yeah, he dies during that whole fight against Yorgmoth and similar, and. That means that he's only ever lived, at least within the narrative, as an old planeswalker. Sure. And arguably, all the old planeswalkers are so powerful that they should never be cards. Yeah. Because 
they essentially can do anything. They're like they're minor gods, essentially. Arguably not even minor. Yeah. But yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Alright, it's not bad. Legendary Planeswalker Guff. I mean that's funny in itself. Yeah. Anyone yeah. who doesn't think that's funny is, is killing themselves. Like we're not really sure whether or not Commodore is, is, is that a name? Honor- <laughs> is it a name or is it honorific? So I, I looked up what a Commodore is. Right. Which is it's the naval rank between captain and rear admiral. <laughs> as much as he has a naval I assume he does anyway. I don't think he commands a naval He's not, fleet. Yeah, what they're, naval they're, fleet is he? They, they never reference him caring about or having any Because <laughs> interesting, because Bolivar came from a uh, pirating background, right? Where he was like, Cruci- was it Crucius or something like that? Yeah. yeah. See, I think there's a, an arena card, annoyingly. Um, an alchemy card, I think, that's uh, Crucius or something like that. I started playing Magic at around the time of Dragon's Maze, so uh, <laughs> yep, I'm well, gonna say yep to that. Well, you're digging deep, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it is a deep. I'm glad they've done a deep cut card, like it's, it's the one that everyone wanted. All right, all right, all right. Now we get into the meat. At the beginning of your end step, put a loyalty counter on another target planeswalker you control as a static ability. Firstly, is this right for Guff? Yes or no? I mean, he's helpful to yeah. other planeswalkers. I don't think that it's necessarily what he's all about. Like, I don't feel like, like... We only ever really see him interacting with other planeswalkers, but that's just happenstance of the narrative, really. I don't think that he's like... like He's quite pragmatic about the fact that he's like, look, we're going to lose. Mm. I respect the books enough that I'm not going to jump in the way of this and kind of has to get convinced otherwise over mm. the course of the invasion cycle of books. But, like, yeah. He's... I mean, he's part of the Nine Titans, so clearly he's not opposed to hanging out with other planeswalkers, but he's not... He doesn't strike me as someone that's like all about planeswalkers. No. I'd say he's more all about books and knowledge. Yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. It's it seems like a like a crowbar into something to make you want to play other planeswalkers because he was part of a group yeah. of them. This is very much a this like, is a planeswalker deck card. Yeah. I mean, one of the things I saw uh, people uh, talking about is that all he had to do really to kind of add this idea of like you know manipulation or knowledge or future knowledge is just add a scry one to that first ability. At the beginning of your end step, scry one and add the loyalty counter. Because imagine if you don't have another planeswalker, because it's another as well, yeah, right? It he doesn't, doesn't do anything. He can't do it own. by himself. Mm. So at least you'd be able to scry. It kind of creates a little bit of blue knowledge kind of in there. There is a draw of cards coming down, but I mean, I feel like maybe that scry aspect might have been, or even a fate seal, because obviously you can manipulate other people's mm. fates as well. Because that could be considered like the, the adding a loyalty is, is him, him kind of giving more longevity to another ally. I mean, if, if we're really stretching to, fit, to make the card fit the narrative. <laughs> well, so what are they... What are they trying to do with this Guff card? Like, because each Planeswalker, as we've seen them at least in recent years, has been a very distinct, this is them at this point in their life. The fact that we've got so many different Ajanis and Sarkans, mm. and Elspeth's another great example where it's Elspeth on Nukapena. It's Elspeth when she's now an angel. Mm. Like, is this a Guff who's in the Nine Titan arc, or is this Guff just at that's, any other that's time? That's a good point, right? Because he is just randomly in, in, a li- in his library. So this is almost like maybe even Commodore Guff before he gets enrolled into the Nine Titans. Maybe, maybe. Potentially. Because, yeah, there isn't necessarily anything here that feels like it's um, specifically story relevant. No. The stuff it feels like a, we need to make a Planeswalker card and make it not suck, so let's give it away to <laughs> at least bonus up and, and, and boost up another fellow Planeswalker. Now that we're four years deep into static abilities on Planeswalkers, the first appearing on, like, in, in War of the Spark. Years and do you know, I remember that so well, because so Nathan and I <laughs> did the pre-release at Magic Madhouse, which is what your Barrel Zero was yeah. like the previous iteration. And then we all went to Magic Fest London. It was the midnight pre-release. And yeah. then we all went to Magic Fest London for like three days really. the day after. So I remember all of the spark like it was yesterday. How, like, as players, what is it really that big of a deal? I think that, like, I think specifically in War of the Spark, they screwed the pooch a little bit with a bunch of them. Mm. 
because and I don't they haven't done them loads since so it's not like well, certainly not in a very impactful way not egregiously like no. the ones that give you something I think are fine and quite good so like the ones that go alright your creatures have menace or um, you can play creatures with as if they had flash too that I recall being in more of the start all of the ones that are negative for your opponents were miserable and are Ashiok miserable. Ashiok's terrible. Ashiok, Nonsense. Teferi. Nonsense. Yeah. I mean, even um, like the number of shame scoops that came to failing to read the Wanderer or um, yeah. uh, Tybalt. Yeah. Like those two that either prevent non non combat damage to creatures or prevent life gain. I think mm. that like. It was just a really strange place to have a, for lack of a better term, stacks piece. So yeah, like even Khan says, I'm going to turn off your artifacts. Yeah, for sure. It's just like, no, you should have boosted your own artifacts, Khan. Don't be negative, be positive. True. Mm. Yeah, I guess it's similar, because I'm looking at this Commodore Gaffon. This is a very very similar to like the Ajani ability, right? Of being able to put, do something for all of your of all, all of your side. Yeah. Which feels better. All right, so it's saying a static ability, maybe not the one. If we move on to the plus one. Plus one. Create a 1-1 one, one red wizard creature token with tap, add a red, spend this money only to cast a planeswalker spell. So again with the planeswalkers. Red wizards? Yeah. Okay, we need to have this. We need to have the episode where we talk about colours on tokens. Nathan's got a real bugbear about colours so tokens. angry about it. <laughs> but yeah, apparently red wizards this time. And then the, the restriction of not just non-creature, but specifically planeswalker. Again, maybe maybe they've play playtested this enough, but... Tim, how do, you, how do you feel about I, I don't. I, it, it feels like a lot of words that almost feel like they've come out of a grab bag. Yeah. Um, like making wizards that can help you make planeswalkers. Like effectively, you know, are we suggesting that Guff is in charge of a wizard school that yeah. gradually yeah, exactly. turns into yeah, yeah, yeah. wizards like Casmina? <laughs> like, and honestly, the entirety of this Commodore Guff, I do feel like. It may until late in the process have just been a different planeswalker that then they threw the name on. Mm, right, like, yeah. That's like absolutely how this stuff fit. But like so. I mean like in principle you make a creature that helps protect your planeswalker, that's not the end of the world. In principle also, this then makes it easier for you to cast more planeswalkers so that the first ability is not a complete waste of everyone's time. Like all of these things are not bad abstract things for a magic card to do. They just don't feel guffy enough for me. No. Not enough guff. Two, it's two down the line. Yeah. I just don't know. I just don't know what the story relevance is. I'm sure there is some really deep Lord of Orthos cut because there is there are, there is actually, as we pointed out previously, so much magic like media before the web like series and before all that kind of stuff. They really pump them out. But there's sometimes they'll just mention one throwaway line of like, oh, guff had a wizard friend or you know, whatever, and then suddenly that's all the abilities like relate to that. It might mm -hmm. not even be important. All right, and then we move on to the last proper ability, which is minus three. You draw X cards, and the Commodore Guff deals X damage to each opponent, where X is the number of planeswalkers you control. I mean, what? Nothing about this character screams like over the top damage to me. Nothing about this character screams generic. Is it spell? Because that's exactly what this is. It's I mean, like arguably quite a weak is it spell yeah. as well? Because like. Yeah. <laughs> So let, let's imagine we've got three scenarios with Commodore Guff, right? He's on his own. Mm -hmm. He can make some wizards that help him summon more planeswalkers who may or may not show up. Assuming that he stays on his own, that minus ability does 
one damage. One damage one to damage, each opponent, yeah. and you draw one card. Yeah, that which is clearly just a disaster. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and I then mean, you he go, stays on two loyalty afterwards. There's something. And then you go. <laughs> All man had one damage, one draw spell. <laughs> and then you go. Okay, fine. I've got six planeswalkers in play. At that point, even with his ultimate, quote unquote, it's still. He's probably the weakest planeswalker. Like, six planeswalkers would be tons of planeswalkers for anyone to ever have him play mm-hmm. in any type of game. Still doesn't really do anything. No. Like, the thing that I am I live in fear of, and it's it's going to happen, so every every one of the, the pre-cons will typically have the face card that is one of the things that can be your commander, and there'll be something else in the deck that's got the same colour identity and mm. is either a legend or has the text that says it can be your commander. That you can just, without even changing a single card, you can be like, oh, I'm just going to switch it for the other one. And I really hope that it doesn't work out that Guff gets relegated to first substitute. Yeah, I mean, this this is a classic example of that is the uh, Prismari precon from Strixhaven, which I actually played it yeah, with Safai, but it was, what was it, Veyran, Voice Veyran, of Duality? Yeah, really, really you just swapped that one yeah. around and it was just nutter butters. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, he is, yeah. And then the final text is Commodore Guff can be your commander. I mean, that's... You wouldn't not want to have a, a commandable... Commandable? It's not a word. You no. wouldn't want to have a, you wouldn't want to have a Commodore Guff that could be your commander, so I guess that makes I sense. Mean, I mean, there's plenty of um, Planeswalkers that can't be your commander, though. Like, And even, even the ones there's iterations of that can be your commander. Like, there's lots of iterations of them, even, that can't. Mm. And, like, arguably, the templating of this card... It probably does make more sense in the ninety nine than it does as the as the card you have access to every game multiple True. times a game, which is a bit of a shame, I think. Yeah, I mean, I guess in the, in the if we're talking from a law perspective, it is kind of nice that he sits outside of the library itself. True. Well, the thing I think they should have done with Garth is he should have been the first planeswalker that could be your commander, and he's reaching out from the artwork and writing it. With his own he's, pen. He's oh, like literally changed the words, so changed the rules. Yeah, the so you've hit the nail on the head. I don't understand why when they did the headmaster card for Urza and even like Space Bellerin, like in the same kind of vein of why Guff wasn't gone hard into an unset. Put him in an unset and then allow his card to do absolutely, like not, even within like the realm of like, you, you, you have to go on a website and roll, you know, a, a spin dice, you know, to get a random effect for the mm. Urza Planeswalker. That's kind of what the realm of this card should feel like to me. Well, so, so now I despise unsets, Tim. Say for all the listeners, and this will be etched into stone, what's your feeling on unsets? Hate them. Yeah! Absolutely hate them. But the idea of him reaching out and writing, <laughs> I mean, that, like, can be your command. I think they're very creative. I just hate playing games with them. It's oh, probably closest to the mark. Backtrack. But that's fine. We, we, I can soundbite the first bit forever. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> and, and I'm not lying, but like, um, the I, I have to really reach to try and make this narrative of the card work. And like, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that just likes the idea that Commodore Goff, who's realised that he's a character in this card game, Magic the Gathering, wants to troll everybody, mm-hmm. and the best way that he can do that is have his card not be very good. Yeah, and that he's just gone. No, I don't. I don't need to be <laughs> face things. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna just be this role player that sits back and watches the game go on. Kind of and no one's really going to try and kill me because why would you bother? I should have yeah. pushed it further then. Make him black, green, Golgari. Make him an enchantment plane. So make it weird. Make it make it. <laughs> Give him make, vigilance. Yeah, exactly. Make it all the bad. Just a spot. Yeah, exactly. Keyword that has no relevance. <laughs> Boom. I like okay. it. So I mean, what, what we're saying then about this guff card as it's presented is whilst it's a nice card to maybe put in a pre-con that new players can get invested in maybe in Commander Masters, maybe, I don't know. When you look at like the Legends cards that came in the first Commander Legends, and indeed a lot of the Planeswalker... Not the Planeswalker cards, the Legendary cards that came in the Precons before Precons were everywhere. 
Well, they did these deep cuts. Like they had Tornos was in like a, a pre-con, for mm. example, and they did feel slightly more relevant. This maybe is just, as you said earlier, potentially a different Planeswalker that they thought, oh, we can make this the guff card in Masters. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I think that part of it potentially as well is that while he clearly does have lore, mm. it's not lore that's at the forefront of anyone's collective memory from recently because he's not done anything in 20 years. Yeah. And they may have just gone, we can just make our own narrative around him because, you know what, no one's really going to notice. Yeah. And they're right, let's be honest. Mm. It's just that... I did. Yeah, because yeah, it's not. It's, it's one of those things where, <laughs> yeah, this could have very much have easily been just. This could have been an Urza card, right? Because he was one who actually brought all of the Planeswalkers together for the yeah, Nine quite. Titans, and then Guff could have been in that deck, and you could have had the Nine Titans deck instead of making it a Commodore Guff deck. Yeah, very because, true. Because again, like this is just generic Wizards abilities. This is nothing that feels fourth break, fourth wall breaking, or. Or identifiable as a yeah, of course that's a guff. That's definitely a guff card. Yeah. Well, before we move on to Tim's ideas, we have spoken about we haven't spoken about one aspect of this card, and that is the Matt Stewart artwork. Oh, right, true, good point. Yeah, I'm showing Tim the artwork now, so we can get a good look at it. So I, I do approve of the artwork. Yeah, the artwork is good. It's maybe not as whimsical as I would have thought. Other guff, like Index, he's like going. Like, he's got, like, big frizzy hair like a mad Yeah, scientist. he looks like he's yeah. got Beyonce video on Index. Yeah, 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 exactly. His hair's blowing all over the shop. I've got a foil Index, and it does actually... It looks pretty cool in foil as well. He's got a magnificent beard. I mean, his beard is probably the best it is in, in this iteration. In the yeah. Stewart, I think I think it's sufficiently good. I, I'm very happy with the artwork. I don't have a problem with that. Yeah. Like, magic, more gingers than magic. <laughs> in, in, in my head, like, also, like, if it had been... And this would have been a deep-cut throwback that essentially the artwork was him sat in exactly the library that the original artwork Nicol Bolas has sat in. Oh, sure. Which is also canonically, effectively, a library that contains every book. Yeah, which True. they also then repeated with Strixhaven with the biblioplex. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, like yeah. this idea. But, like, if if they'd gone, you know what, Commodore, Commodore Guff usurped Nicol Bolas's library of everything mm. and actually read all of the books and this is part of what sparked him up, and then you can start actually weaving in a, a sort of a narrative that fits a bigger timeline than just he was one of the nine titans, job done. Mm. But yeah, I know I'm very happy with the artwork. Like I would stick that on my wall and be happy with it. Nice. All right. We've waffled. We've guffed enough. Hey. Let's get on to the real stuff. Oh, that was almost another rhyme. It was. <laughs> it was. Guff and stuff rhyme. Guff and stuff do rhyme. I don't know if the yeah right. So Tim, <laughs> you. Uh, You've had an idea for your own guff card. Yes. Yes. I was just like, you know what? And I've actually, I've thought about this over the years a ton. And I do encourage everyone, if there's a character that you think deserves... Like, Planeswalkers are really fun to design because mm -hmm. they've got lots of lines of text. Just like figuring out which things feel appropriate. And then it's just a matter of, is it broken, tweaking the numbers, etc. Mm -hmm. Which, yeah, we'll leave to Wizards to figure out. Sure. Um, but yeah, I did design a Commodore guff. So... Commodore Guff, two white, blue, red. So a little bit more expensive to cast. Okay. Nice. Uh, and the type line on my one was Planeswalker Titan Guff. Okay, explain. So basically, in the same way that you've got Elder Dragon Legends, yep. I feel like this is like a really free bit of design space to, even if it's only used narratively, that like you get to set apart a caliber of card, even if there's no... So like, to the best of my knowledge, there's not anything that references Elder Dragons versus I mean, other Elder, dragons. Elder being a type is the closest you've got. Yeah. Um, but, like, there's nothing to say they couldn't then lean back into it later. So, like, if they if they made Commodore Guff, Planeswalker Titan Guff, 
that means that they've then got eight more Planeswalker Titans they can make in the future mm. over the next 30 years. And then maybe release a sorcery card later down the line that's like, assemble the Titans. <laughs> right, or and there is quite literally as assembles the Titans a card. Shut up, don't embarrass me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, like e- even if even if all it does is it means that people see the card and they're like, Titan, what does that mean? Yeah. And then just proceeds to read up a little bit and go, oh, that's interesting. And get to know the lore a little bit better. I feel like it's literally free. Mm. Guff is a very short name. True. Um, <laughs> it's no, yeah, it's not Asmorano, Marty, Kadais, and Get it, man. Yeah, almost. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so freebie extra bit of lore before we even get to any rules text mm. or like any that. significant rules text. I think they should, yeah, I mean, that, and you could do, you could let that run and run. You could do Planeswalker. Almost anything. Like, the way I was thinking is you could do like Old Walker, but then this this facilitates that more nicely. And then you'd have to do Planeswalker or Old Walker, which would, would Planeswalker God. Ter- yeah, which would read Yeah, like they're already legendary. How like super legendary? It gets yeah, a little exactly. bit silly. But yeah. I think uh, yeah. So Planeswalker Titan Guff. Like yeah. So then we got the first line of rules text, which is Commodore Guff will happily be your commander. <laughs> which essentially just this is a nod to the fact that he's writing the narrative rather than it being. Right, he's he's addressing you, the planeswalker in charge of like the deck of cards that you have. Yeah, right. Yeah. So like, you immediately get a sense as you read it that this is something a little bit different from the other cards in Magic. But you know, it's it's the floral spasm ex- uh, exclusion. Are you familiar with this thing? No. Oh, you're gonna love this. So floral <laughs> spasm. Look it up. Right. It's, it's a random weird Magic card that involves making a choice, but for some reason the templating on the card says. Floral Spasm chooses. Oh. Rather than that you choose. So the card chooses its own fate. The card chooses. Um, I can't remember the exact wording, but yeah. It's from Fallen Empires, I think, maybe? Um, but yeah, Floral Spasm is a nonsense card. But yeah, this is the Legends. same... Yeah, it's the same sort of idea that it's a card that suddenly makes you think about the fact that maybe the cards have Are more right. autonomy than... <laughs> so yeah. Again, we're trying to do as much as we can with as little text as we can because there's a limit to how much space you can fill a card. Yeah. So, Commodore Guff will happily be your planeswalk, be your commander. If you reveal him from your command zone, after mulligans, you may look at each player's hand. Wow. I mean, that's pretty powerful. It is powerful. Um, and I've I played around a lot with that line of text because, like, I think that passives on planeswalkers are a little bit dangerous. Mm-hmm. I think that effectively one-off spells, they're a bit like Eminence as well. But like What's think, that ley meets Eminence, right? Yes. So you get it every single game. But like, so this is obviously a three-color Planeswalker, so it's like any three-color deck gets to be a pretty powerful deck. Mm. Um, and if you then just get an ability for free, so in this case you get to peek each other person's hand. Yes, it might take a little bit of time, but like it really plays into the, all right, I've... I know more than you do. Yeah. Which is essentially where Commodore Guff comes from. Like, he immediately has a little bit of a peek into the future compared to everyone else. Mm. Um, And I actually played about then with tons of other Planeswalkers or legends in general that have this, if you reveal it from your command zone, after mulligans do a thing. Because, like, I I think you can actually get away with doing some quite powerful stuff there as long as you gate it behind a weak enough card. Right, yeah, yeah, So yeah. like a strong effect to start the game and then there's not necessarily a big payoff so to the card after. An example card might be um, a mono-red commander. So immediately, if you put it on a monocolored card, I think it, they're really safe. Well, 
comparatively safe as you trust designers. Sure. Um, so yeah, imagine we had a red legend that was a three-two for three. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe give it first strike, but if you reveal it from your command zone as your commander at the start of the game, each player takes ten damage. Wow. So like it, it really leans in heavily into what the color pie is yeah. for that uh, color, and but then you go look. It's a one-off thing. Suddenly, aggro can be real. Sure. Because, you know, you're not completely stuck having to deal 120 damage. You've got to deal 90, which is still a lot of damage. Yeah, sure. But, like, for the decks that are going, oh, I'm going to, I'll be able to get my shields up. You can't aggro me down. It's like, you start at 30 now. Yeah. Um, I have got one for all five colors, but we will, I don't want to turn this into (laughs) Tim's 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 big design design workshop. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But, yeah, so for, for Guff, you get a peek on everyone. Cool. Uh, you see, you get to look at that hand at the start. Once you've done that peek, carries on as normal. Mm. I suppose it's early enough in the game as well that you're not seeing their end game. But no, necessarily. not necessarily. Yeah. And, and also, because it's worded as if you reveal him from your command zone after Mulligans, this is a powerful ability that can't ruin any other formats. Mm, yeah. mm. So, like, there's been bits and pieces of issues of commander cards that have ended up being good in Legacy and Vintage. Can't be the thing for this. Cool. I mean, should it also say that you should see also see the bottom card of everyone's library because he knows how the story ends. We've got economy of words. Economy <laughs> of words. None of you can hear the look that Andy's giving me, but Andy's giving me a look. We can talk about Argoff cards in another episode. <laughs> Every other episode. Every yeah, other. Yeah. They've had 122 episodes of us talking it's, about it's this. It's the Guff cast. Exactly. <laughs> uh, there's a story I'll tell you later, but not, not for the podcast. You will. So, plus one. He's got some plus abilities. Plus one. Discard a card at random. Draw two cards. Yep. Relatively harmless. This is him searching for information. Right. Um, reading all of his books. Um, he's got little bits of random stuff across the various cards he's shown on Bond thus far. I like to believe that he just quite likes it. Yeah. That he's just like, he prefers things to feel a little bit chaotic, given that he knows how things end. Yeah. Pardon me. Then we have minus three. And this one is powerful. Search your deck for a card, then discard a card at random. So this is exactly Gamble. Right. Yeah, but Liliana for the same cost had... Minus two is search and put it on top. Is Vampiric Tutor, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, I I always like Gamble as a tutor, because tutors can be egregious. But as soon as you get, get the ultimate downside, which is... You might have to burn the card that you mm. searched for. Then it becomes a lot more fun. I and think. obviously the feel bad isn't so bad and colours that can, you know, flash things back and in white gets resu- yeah. resurrection. I mean, like, red it's already has access to actual yeah. gamble. Yeah. Um, and I think that's fair. Well, what's his start up? Yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> Minus nine. So this is a proper ultimate now. Mm. Gain an emblem that reads, whenever you would draw a card... Instead, search your library for a card, put it into your hand, and then shuffle. Can't ever mill. Um, can't get can't get forced to draw lots. No. Um, but uh, essentially, this is Archmage's ascension having ascended mm. uh, from Zendikar, I think it was. Yeah, the original. Yeah. The quest so it's very powerful. Yeah. At that point, you have access to all of the knowledge in the world. Um, so. Some key bits and pieces with all three of these abilities. Commodore Guff is not a planeswalker who can protect himself with anything other than knowledge. I like that. That's a good idea. So, 
He knows what cards are in your hand at the start of the game. He can search for cards to help protect him. But fundamentally, he cannot just erect a wall of beasts or whatever it might be mm. so that you have to play him at the right time. But you've got a little bit of information to help you do that. And once he's on the, on the battlefield, you can filter your draws and do all sorts of good things to do good stuff. And then starting loyalty five, the reason I went with this is firstly, it means that um, if you want to gamble twice, you have to use the plus one. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then like, yes, in principle, if you put him in a deck where he's not the commander, you can do the doubling season thing of insta-ultimating him. But you know what? If you're gonna if you're gonna go down that path, I want you to just you've already got so many tools. You already paid four colours. Yeah. Well, like those decks already exist and there's much more powerful ultimates that you can instantly get anyway. Yeah. Um But five is the same as Liliana, five mana planeswalkers starting with five loyalty that can search things out in a completely different set of colours, obviously. <coughs> I suppose the, the, the five mana if you were to minus three him as soon as you put him down, no one's gonna scream sort of cheat at having a five mana gamble that could then just get taken off the table if someone Yeah, exactly. It's only two loyalty at that point. Yeah, yeah, it's not yeah. too difficult to, to attack into. Yeah. I mean, I think that and that fits the vibe of Guff in general. I mean, Guff is ostensibly one of the most powerful beings that's ever been in Magic. Maybe the most, because they're self-aware. Close but to Aminatu levels, I yeah, think. Yeah, yeah. Aminatu is like... But Aminatu is only that powerful in-world. <laughs> like, Guff is True, that powerful guess, yeah. out-of-world as well. But no one ever goes... Like, he hasn't tried to take over the multiverse like Urza style. Do you know what no, I mean? He, like, style. he wouldn't even try and take over a conversation. <laughs> no, exactly. But he did change. He did fundamentally change the canon of the universe, which is quite interesting. Wow! Yeah, so, like, true. there's been various abilities over the years that I've looked at and gone, that feels a bit Commodore Guffish. Mm. So, Khan's ability to restart the game yeah. Yeah. feels like a Commodore Guff-style ability. Wish wish effects also feel Commodore Guffish, but they're obviously they don't work in Commander, which is a bit of a, an issue for including them in a Commander card. Uh, like, essentially, all sorts of things that let you really feel like you're changing the rules of the game feel quite Commodore Guffish. And mm-hmm. there's been, like, weirdly, some of the inspiration for some of the cool things on this guy are from non-Magic card games, I think. Because, like... Magic's made a lot of cards that do a lot of things. Sure. But they've kind of got their groove now. And yeah. They, and they'll work the way they work. So I used to play, years and years and years ago, a card game called WWE Raw Deal. <laughs> As you do. Cool. Which was actually, it was, it was a million different ways broken, but somehow kind of just held together. Was, WWE is in the world wrestling. Wrestling guys, Entertainment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, 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 right. Not like the wildlife WWF. No, I think yeah. WWF. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, okay, they, had cool. to, they had to change the name because of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, so that game it was designed by a guy called Baron Vangatov, real name. And that's ridiculous. He he was just this like savant that somehow made this really like successful, well put together mess. Yeah, it was it was like it was like a real beautiful mind type situation that like. It was very chaotically powerful, but somehow or other, like, there were a few key things that kind of held it together. But um, in that game, essentially, you would be a wrestler. So, like, you know, Andy, you might be The Rock. Sure. And, you know, Nathan, you might be, like, Funaki. No, I'd be Kane. Oh, no, Rey Mysterio. Yeah, so oh, right. Scott, 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 Scott too high. <laughs> in many respects, it's a bit like Commander, because you had your face card that was who you were. Yeah. And then you had your deck that featured cards that you're allowed to play because of who you were. 
but it meant that you had like a, a static ability or something at the start of the game that your your guy did. And there was one character called Bobby the Brain, who was some random like um, manager, I think, from like the early days of wrestling. But his ability was at the start of the game, before anyone draws their opening hands, you can look through your opponent's deck. Just like from top to bottom, look nice. through the entire deck. And then he had a few search effects going on. I'm like, that's a really interesting, cool ability. Yeah. That's in this case, gate kept by behind being on this one card that then meant that you couldn't play all these other cards. Are there similar abilities that you could have? And like I I do think truly that having a few commander locked pre-game abilities is a thing that's not been done yet that could be done that wouldn't be the end of the world. Yeah, pre-game effect. Um, what were the other ones? The, the green legend that I had for my set of five monocolored looks. I think monocolored is way safer because yeah. like, how good can a monocolored legend ever be? Because <laughs> you because you get gate kept so that you can only run those colors. Sure. Mm. And so I had. I think my white one was if you reveal this to be commander, you get to go first. All right. I mean, that's not even that much of an advantage, really. I mean, it is, but well, it's, it's, it's keeping out of parity. It, right? it, it depends on the deck. Yeah, um, absolutely. But, like, so, like, weirdly, of all the ones that I looked at, that was the ones like, oh, that might be really good in CDH. Hmm. Like, if you're the white deck that knows it's going first, yeah, get ahead with your stack. Yeah, stack piece and play early. Yeah. But then your actual general is like a two-two for one or something. Sure. Um, the green one was at the start of the game. You get to put like before anyone takes their first turn, you can put a land from your hand into play. Yeah, makes sense. Um, what were the blue? And that the would be black? so obnoxious. Would it? I, think. I mean, gemstone cabins, I or, gemstone cabins already exists. Ugh. Like you can already do that. Ugh. Uh, but like now, imagine that your commander in your commander game is a two mana two two elf that taps for one. I guess. I guess you like that's what you've sacrificed. You yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still playing on. T- you're still playing on turn one. <laughs> you are. Yes. <laughs> like you're getting to accelerate, guaranteed. But like. And admittedly, yes, we did ban Rofflos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, like, yeah, I, I think that there's room for, like, obviously it depends on how much you trust the people that are designing it to not go too far, but, like, I think there's room for it and I think it'd be interesting. Cool. All right. I mean, that that is inf- infinitely more guffy, I think, going back to... What, changing design. the fundamental way that the game works? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I think so, too. I mean, that's kind of the idea, right? Again, I feel like that idea of you, they lost, they missed an opportunity. I mean, get, again... As a newer player, if you were to read this card, there is nothing about it that screams fourth fourth wall breaking, uber uber, uber mensch. You know, like mm. the, the, I don't read this and go, oh holy shit, Commodore Guff's pretty strong. Yeah. I don't even read read it and go, oh holy shit, Commodore Guff's like a bit funky. But do you strange. read it? Do you read it and think that's a Commodore Guff card? And that's the thing. I mean, Tim's, yeah. Yeah, 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 the one that we've got. Not necessarily, no. no. I mean, I don't want to. Be, I don't want to be too harsh on the on the one that they've designed because maybe it's not the the guffiest card, but it's definitely a, a card with a purpose, right? I think they think it's like, reached too yeah. far. Like you're reaching in terms of law for something that other that people might not necessarily like know about, and I think reception for the book, like a lot of people, like I, re- I only read one review of it recently, and they they very much put guff as like a footnote because they hated the fourth wall breaking. So to them, that was a bit they skipped. So they didn't really put a lot of uh, yeah, didn't show yeah, a lot of yeah. lights on it or give it a lot of praise. So even then, like the, the abilities you're doing might be so so unknown or even like disliked that they may, might not have been able to lead into it because they definitely have like the capacity to know like how to make a tongue in cheek planeswalker because we've seen you know the as a headmaster planeswalker. Yeah, but again, I think I yeah I don't know. I think they're moving in a very different direction with unsets. Like going back to the unset, thing. yeah, they want them to be like heavily themed as opposed to being just sort of generically silly. Mm. 
But exchange of words within the latest one, right? Where you you can change, you, as in Charm, where you can change the text boxes to two different permanents. Yeah. Which is very clever. Again, that feels very guffy. That idea of rewriting the script, as it were. Yeah. But I mean, as we've established, unsets are terrible and should never be printed, so. So, <laughs> like, my true honest feelings on unsets are that, like, I think that there's some very funny people that work at Watsy that are good at writing a joke. Mm. And I think that some of the cards that are made for unsets are quite good jokes. Yes. Mm. I just think that, like, there are very few jokes that stand up, stand up to being heard multiple times. Ooh, this sounds very familiar, doesn't it? This argument. Yeah, yeah, no, when well, you're trying to be funny, you're not funny anymore. No, I get it. Like it's not. It's no longer. A, it was no longer a parody or a pastiche. It was. Yeah. Oh, I, I, I'm not. I, I'm not going to get you up too much. You enjoy them. That's fine. I mean, like, <laughs> in win. in a way, I would rather go. I'll do a draft that's got one unbooster in a chaos draft, and that's probably the perfect oh amount of unset to me. Oh, fair where you enough. go. Each deck has between zero and three uncards. Mm. So arguably, this is what we're talking about is exactly mystery booster draft, mm. where every pack's got one somewhere between un and not mm. card, and you go that amount of them is quite entertaining and different and weird. And but yeah, like if every single card in someone's deck is a variation on some joke or other, not for me. Yeah. But you know, if other people enjoy it, you know, much like the Lord of the Rings set. Not really for me, but if other people enjoy it, mm. fantastic. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. Yeah, not everyone's funny, so why should we make a joke, a, a set of jokes? <laughs> <laughs> why ever try and be funny? Why ever try? Why ever try? I can't. Even, I can't wait for the angry set. You know, <laughs> or just bitter. The spiteful yeah, yeah, set. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like the sword, the really oh man, what salt ridden? What's he hit me up? Like, let's do it. Give it to me. Give me cumulative upkeep. Bring back, bring back all those mechanics from from Kamigawa. Let's do it. Really bands with other legends. Oh, I love it. Fantastic other creatures with island walk i once won in one of again talking about your shop because you're here we might as well talk about it in one of the when we used to do the the raffle or the wheel of fortune yes. i won the top prize which was a mystery prize and it was the land that has you banned with all other green permanents i kind of was it home farmstead homes home... bands with other green legends is that it it's the land so it doesn't tap is... any manner oh what's it called it's an old border card i can't even remember it's been sat in the back, back of there's my... one for each color yeah yeah um it's the green hammerheim with... no hammerheim's the red one yeah nathan's uh, looking it up now uh, bands with him to scry for we'll see yeah there, there's only like six bands with other cards so i'm gonna have to sneeze as well <laughs> oh, it's all happening it's all happening at oh, once it's oh, i might edit it out i might not we literally had a conversation beforehand it was like oh i've actually stopped editing these so hard you're doing very well Tim. by the way you didn't have a voice yesterday literally not at all today i've coughed twice so you're welcome to edit that, well, that yeah. one adventurous guild house adventurous guild house well, oh, what do you want a literal house. Yeah, all all green legends gain yeah. bands with other legends. So that was the the best prize ever won. It, I mean, it is it is actually quite good. <laughs> yeah, if you understand it? how it works. Well, I, yeah, that's it. I don't. So arguably, it's not very. I good. barely understand how magic works, and I've been playing it for about ten years. So it's I don't think it's quite for me. But there we go. Well, thank you so much for talking about the guff card. We've still got a bit of time. I really like that design, by the way. I think it's good. Have you have you shown that design to anyone else? Uh I've spoken with people a little bit about it, like. It's it's one of those ones where like so Watsy has a very weird policy when it comes well, maybe not weird they have a policy they like, have it a makes policy. sense so the, Watsy's policy when it comes to card design anyone that's out there that's like oh I've got some great ideas that I want to bother Gavin and Markham whoever with <laughs> right yeah like their policy is they cannot listen to people talking about card designs mm. so like weirdly if you ever need to get rid of 
Gavin or Mark Rosewater or anyone else in a hurry. Yeah. Just be like, I've got a great idea for a card design and start talking. And essentially they have to put their things in there and go la 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 and run away. Mm. Uh, because if it, like, let's imagine that I had trotted into Renton in, in Seattle and gone, here's my brilliant design for Commodore Guff. Take a look and shown it to the whole team there. If they've all seen it, that means that then, in principle, if mm. they made a card that was broadly similar, they might have an annoying like intellectual property conversation sure. where they have to go, where I'm like, but I designed that card. And they're like, oh, but, you know, we we designed it really. Because you're yeah. not an unknown entity to them because you've literally... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, the I, I am mates with various of these people. And, yeah. I, and I've, I, have, I have made them run away by yeah. doing exactly <laughs> this. This is not, you know, uh, pie in the sky. The power. But, I mean, like, there's a like it's very rare that you see card designs are outside the building that turn into cards. Basically, the only times it's happened is on like so they used to have the Invitational. Mm-hmm, I don't sure. know if you guys are familiar. Well, so, Fairy Mastermind was the latest one, right? Well, no. So that was, was that um, for Fairy Mastermind was uh, Yuta Takahashi won the World Championships and his face is on. Fairy yeah, he didn't have anything to do with. The... I think that they they probably had a meeting um but he didn't really design it but the invitational the prize for winning the invitational was you get to design a magic card is this snapcast mage is this one of them so snapcast mage Solemn. is one of them um solemn simulacrum oh. dark confidant yeah like a whole bunch of them some of them very very good some of them eh, maybe not so much um and at the start of the tournament they would publicize in the coverage um everyone's submitted design that was playing. So there'd be 16 players in Invitational, 16 card designs. Mm. And a number of cards have come out that were the design, like almost verbatim, the designs of other players in the tournament. So like, um, let's think about this. Chalice of the Void Mm. is a card that was designed by Gary Wise one year for the Invitational. He didn't win the Invitational, so his card didn't get made with his face on it. But... They looked at the design and were like, that's pretty good, isn't it? And so they made it. Um, uh, the Gemstone Caverns, which we mentioned earlier on, that was uh, Suyoshi Fujita, and his was called Unlucky Man's Paradise. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, so I like that. And, yeah, the whole idea was how can you make it so if you're going second, you don't feel quite so bad about it. You get to have a land in play at the start of the game. Um, I believe that Paolo Vittorio Damon Rosa... He bro- he broadly designed Oracle of Moldire. Wow, really? As like yeah, that was his. It, it wasn't exactly word for word. The other two were almost exactly word for word. His one was very very similar. Um, but yeah, you don't see lots of someone making public a design and then that turning into a card because once he has to be careful about IP. But story time, I do have a story about the design of Snapcaster Mage that was. A, an invitational winner's card because I, I, I reckon I have 10% responsibility for that card existing. Well, that is a big a claim. Ass claim. A claim. So, <laughs> let me run you through this. So, uh, it's story time. The invitational in Essen, Germany. I was the guy on coverage for this event. I've just dropped everything at the start of the story. Sorry, grab me another beer. I'm getting settled in if Tim's going to be telling the story. Do you want another drink? Uh, Yeah, let's do it. Crack him open. Ah, Story time. This this podcast is now going to be two hours long. Yep. Good. (laughs) 
I mean, if, if you want a sub segment for future, we can just do lots of story time with Tim's. So you can just <laughs> pat, patch in at the end of all sorts. <laughs> There's actually been quite a few of these invitational cards. Yeah. 14 of them. Yeah. Um, some of them incredibly iconically powerful. Yeah, some of them are Shadow Maiden and Portraitor, and some of them are Root Water Thief. <laughs> Root Water Thief was all right. Um, right. The, the weird bit on Root Water Thief being that Mike Long that designed it, he's the guy in the boat, not the big Yeah, 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 but yeah, exactly. Most of them, <laughs> it's literally got a physical depiction of the but person that won well. on the card. Mm. So, uh, Snapcaster Mage. Printed in Innistrad, uh, designed by Tiago Chan. The original card that he submitted was a card called Denying Channel, which was a land that had the channel ability. So you could pay two colourless blue-blue, discard it, counter-target spell. Pretty, which, pretty strong. Pretty strong. By today's standards, probably printable. Yeah. By the standards of the day, not printable. So ultimately... It got changed around. It ended up being Snapcaster Mage, which played into the mechanics of Innistrad. That's where Flashback came from. In 2011, so yeah, it was about 10 years ago. So, I was doing coverage of that Invitational, and the Invitational was a blast. 16 players in Germany playing this event where it was like three rounds a day of all sorts of weird and wonderful formats, and at the end of it, someone gets to sign a card. Essentially, everyone's on a big jolly. They had a lovely time. There was all sorts of, you know, that's the, that's the event where I get to learn that Kenji Samura is an unbelievable bowler. Um, <laughs> all sorts of things. But um, one of the formats was vintage. Vintage, obviously, you get to play with any cards across the entire history of Magic. Very, very powerful format. Um, and Tiago Chat, like, just because pro players are pro players doesn't mean to say that they just have all the cards that would be some of them do to some extent but that's their choice you know that costs a lot of money especially for like vintage being a format that there's no real reason for anyone to play it if they don't want to mm. but not, certainly not a big tournament format everyone can afford a tabernacle <laughs> um, so it's the day before the vintage bit gets played and we're hanging out at the bar and I'm like oh Tiago what vintage deck are you going to play? And like at the time, like I think the best deck was probably like a Flash Hulk deck, but there was also um, like Staxi things and control things, all sorts of various. Workshops legal and vintage. Isn't it? it is, yeah. Most things are. Um, and it, and it, I, and it, I play Commander. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, I'm such, I'm such a fake Magic player. No, and, yeah. and, and, and Tiago turns around and he's like, "Oh yeah, I've got this. I've got this red blue goblins deck." <laughs> and I'm like, interesting. <laughs> and he's basically, he's like, oh yeah, well you know, I've I've got access to an ancestral recall, and and I've just and some dual lands. So I'm basically playing a, an aggro goblins list that has draw the three. ability to draw three. It might have had a time walk as well. Obviously, these are very good cards. Yeah, but also obviously, or maybe not obviously, this is not a vintage deck. It's by a bit of a rogue list. Yeah, by like typical sort of uh, metrics mm. and I don't particularly have lots of cards but I know lots of people Yeah, and basically I'm like Tiago is this really the deck that you want to play <laughs> like this is the invitational who knows when you're next going to get a chance to do this like is this the deck you really want to play and he's like well I mean not really but you know who can snap their fingers and get the 75 vintage cards that they want at a moment's notice yeah, and I'm just yeah, like <laughs> 
Uh, and basically, I'm just like a buddy of mine uh, who was was in town for that event just to hang out and see what was going on. And he's a huge vintage player, loves vintage. And I'm like, give me a list of 75 cards. First round's at 10 a.m. tomorrow morning. I think it'll be fine. And so I, I got him the 75 that he wanted. And then he proceeded to win the invitation. Nice. With the finals being vintage. Mm. I feel a little bit guilty because another good friend of mine was in the finals against him <laughs> and got beaten up by the deck that I... Who knows whatever they, car they were going to design. But, I mean, I say 10%, sure. but realistically, there's a 0% chance, or maybe not 0 there's like a 3% chance that Tiago Chan wins that Invitational with his Red Blue Goblins deck. Mm. So, if you like Snapcaster Mage, you're welcome. <laughs> Thank you. And if you don't like Snapcaster Mage... You know, I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, blame Tiago <Joker> Chan. <laughs> well, that is a, that's a wild story. I don't. I, we've known each other for years. I don't think I've ever heard you say that. That's not a brag you bring out very often. No, I, I, you know, I keep most of these things pretty close to my chest. But I felt, I felt like it'd be a fun one to throw in for for my friends that are listening. Oh, Thank you. that's such a so listening. Connelly, for, li- for the friends listening. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He's good. Great. It's okay. It's uh, we don't have to release this episode. It's fine. Burns me up inside. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. Thank you for that. Last little bits, lots of magic sets coming up because the perpetual Because trade. we live in 2023. Yeah. Um, Lord of the Rings, you've already said it's if fine for other people, it's not for you, that's fine. What do we reckon about Wilds of Eldraine? That's going to be the next one kind of coming around the corner. Yeah, I'm up for it. Like, How did you like I remember the pre-releases for the last Eldraine. We were, it was actually when you were moving your shops. Yes. We had it in a local cafe. Yes. On a bit of flooring that no longer exists because it collapsed. Yeah. We yeah. dodged a bullet there just about. Um <laughs> I liked Eldraine. I felt like it was it had a relatively straightforward direction it was going in and it went there. And I don't mind going back. I feel like there's room to do fun things or tell more stories in that space. So yeah, I'm cool with that. Cool. Excellent. So I mean, of the sets that we've had recently, because they've taken some wild swings. So because this has been the debate of this podcast for the past maybe two years. If we go back to like Kamigawa, Neon Dynasty, New Capenna, where we've got things like limousines and mechs and <coughs> all that kind of stuff going on. Neon Genesis. Neon Genesis, like, yeah, Godfather. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it, you've been playing Magic for a long time. Almost all of time. And you've been, you've you've done the full circle of when it started as a game that was high fantasy, went into sci-fi fantasy quite quickly with, like, the Urza saga, and now it's kind of swung all back around. Like, what do you reckon to the f- flavorful design of Magic, like, broadly speaking? I mean, I think that, like, one of the strengths of Magic is that it can reinvent itself and it has done a bunch Mm. so like i didn't mind for example neon kamigawa Mm. i was like you know what yeah it kind of makes sense that sooner or later that will happen i think that my only worry for the narrative and this includes universes beyond this includes new planes this includes new planes walkers or secret layers any of that sort of thing is that what i don't want to happen is for it to hit a point where it feels a bit silly mm. and like so sort of to me like like one of the strengths of rule zero the bar that we're all banging on about my bar um <laughs> he says, says it so flippantly yeah, it's not like it's a successful bar, business God, which we all think it caused me headaches daily <laughs> I, I, i'm not even going to talk you through my working day today um but no like one of the things that we like about it is a place where everyone can feel comfortable in skin they're in and doing the things that they like to do, whether that is 
showing up to go and watch the West Ham game, showing up to play Magic, D&D, Pokemon, going to see the flamenco dancing, whatever it might be, yeah. people can have a nice time and feel like they're in their place, right? And like, I think that for a lot of us nerds, like, feeling proud of the thing that you like mm. is really important. Yeah. Uh, and I think that like, there's there's times that you go, the dragons and the knights and the elves and the lightning bolts might feel a little uncool, but we've made our peace with it and we know where we're at with it. Yeah. And that's, it's got its own coolness to it. Yeah. And like, I have on many occasions found myself playing magic in surprising places, you know, mainly pubs, but you know, surprising <laughs> pubs, let's say. Um, have I played Magic on a boat going down the Seine in Paris? Yes, I have. <laughs> have I played in a ski lift? Yes, I have. Um, it's but you know, when someone comes up and asks me what I'm doing, yeah, I can quite happily go. This is what I'm doing. This is how it works. There's a lovely turn of phrase that got coined, I believe, it was by Dave Williams, who has gone on to be successful in poker. He came second on Master Chef in the USA. He's a cool guy, very charismatic guy. And he describes Magic's narrative as being like, look, in chess, there's kings and queens and knights and bishops and all these things. And that's important for some people and it helps bring together the narrative and help them enjoy what they're doing. But for other people, these are all mechanical pieces that are part of a complicated and vibrant and engaging game. And like Magic the Gathering has knights and kings and queens and wizards. Um, and for some people, that is just window dressing mm. but the bit that i worry about in terms of things getting silly is the moment that someone comes across sees us all out in a bar playing a game that we're having a lovely time and they're like oh what's going on it's like oh we're playing this game magic the gathering it's like oh well what, what are the details like well it's uh optimus prime versus gandalf <laughs> versus uh chun lee from street fighter and two of the kids and the, Strange uh, Things. And the Doctor. Which one? Uh, the, the fourth, the fifth? Like the, <laughs> yeah, the fifth one of them. One, and the like, one, yeah. I don't think we're there yet. And hopefully we don't get to the point where I have to feel silly. But like, that's my sli- one very slight, like, minimal concern, let's yeah. call it. Because like, I do think that there's so much lovely lore within magic, whether mm. it's referential to other things or not, that it's, it becomes a shame if the amount of overlaid law from other things creates this cocktail that just loses all distinctness of its flavours because it's just a bit of a mess. Yeah, yeah, there's, I think, that, and I think that's a very valid concern. Like, I, I know we, Nathan and I were quite harsh in earlier episodes of this podcast against Universes Beyond when we were looking at things like The Walking Dead, which was the most bizarre mm. swing for a first Universes. Or even, Light, for example. E- even stepping back from what they've done since. The fact that Walking Dead was the first dip into that was fucking wild. I wonder how much money got put into their hands to make that. Yeah, but like, I think we've softened on it over time, broadly speaking. But there's a, if anyone listens to the Commander Sphere podcast, I know we plug them a lot, and like they're, they're sort of, we're friendly with them as well out on social medias. Dan Sheehan very much is the kind of guy where, the host of that podcast, where he'll say, I absolutely love the idea that they've got different like things going on and people like it, fine. But I also think it's valid to say I like magic being magic, mm. and like you say, he, do, he does not even against he, not against the universes beyond cards being in the game, and like I don't think many people are now to a to a, an aggressive degree, or at least not in our sort of circles. But yeah, there is a there's a tipping point, right? Yeah. You, well, you hope, hope they don't. You skins. hope they don't re- reach it. I mean, yeah. I love the fact. So I've got a Wernog and Hargild 
um, partner's deck, which is the Will and Dunstan um, reskins from the Stranger yeah. Things, and they gave them a magic like re- relook, right? You had Godzilla, and that was a skin for Zelotha in yeah. the Ikoria cards, where they've only now just done a Zelotha cards. So they've kind of gone around the houses on that one, but like. I th- if they keep doing that, then hopefully it will be fine. Well, I mean, one of the weird bits for me on that front, so, like, we were talking at work about, like, oh, is there an IP or a world or a setting that, like, you would like to see become a universe beyond? Mm. And my immediate answer is, to be honest, not really. Mm. Like, for whatever reason, there's just... I can't think of an IP that feels remotely re- realistic. And I was thinking about it a little bit more, and I was like, how would I feel about a set that was... And this might be a secret layer, it might be a series of commander decks, it might be a full set that was Shakespeare based. I was thinking this because there's a bunch of Shakespeare text already referenced in Magic there anyway. Is. On some of the older cards in the flavour text, you've got a bunch of, um, you know, Boomerang with its Oh, Call Back Tomorrow. Um, there's various of them, like weirdly not even necessarily referencing the big plays. And like there is a lot of magic within the Shakespeare plays. Like you could have a commander set that was. A Macbeth deck, The Tempest, Midsummer Night's Dream, and Romeo and Juliet. There's yeah, four different easily. decks. And that would be quite cool. And I was thinking about it a little bit more, and I was like, if you went five years ago, you would just have someone that would have quietly built a Romeo and Juliet deck mm. using all of the existing cards mm. to convey that same story. And it might not be that you know you realise on turn zero when you look at the commanders mm. that it's like, oh, that's what's going on here. But you gradually figure it out. And like, mm. so going back to Eldraine, like one of the nice things about Eldraine was where you suddenly started to piece together, oh, that's this story. Yeah, yeah. Oh, this one is Goldilocks. This one is... All the little references. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that's a fun, like, essentially it's, you know, you're on a big Easter egg hunt. Yeah. Um, and like, I, you know, I could sit down today and build a Romeo and Juliet deck. And in some respects, I might find it more satisfying doing that with cards that don't say... Romeo, Gallant Prince, mm. yeah. um, you know, Juliet, Fair Maiden. Well, I think so. Uh, fellow CAG member and friend of the podcast, Kristen Gregory, um, when she came on to talk about the guilds, because we did a guilds episode with her, and we were like, oh, so on the horizon, I think at that point we sort of knew they were doing Lord of the Rings. They just mm. announced it. And this was like almost two years ago now. But she had been cultivating this Lord of the Rings deck because she's a huge Tolkien fan. Mm. And I think she was using Kenrith. Replicating ring to be able to make Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And she was super proud of all the different things. And at the time, she was like, well, obviously, it's just going to blow my deck out of the water. And I'll build one because I love Lord of the Rings. But my artistic endeavour is maybe a little bit nullified. And I like, I mean, you know. Who do you choose your Doctor Who deck when you've already got a Doctor Who to put into it? Yeah, so I'd be interested to see what she she feels about this exact subject. But yeah, I think think your sentiment is echoed by a lot of people. Because we did this, we did a a build challenge, right? And we did uh, different uh, pieces. I mean, I did Princess Princess Mononoke. That's very much like you could definitely have a Ghibli like universes beyond set for magic i think quite easily i think it would sell quite well and if you do the recognizable characters quite easy would i want there to be a card that's specifically built to be princess monoke or am i happy with naith and then building around that i mean again it's one of those i might is it take away from my fun to have something ready made for me and i think there's a big difference between like having a pre-con compared to having like just the just the card but again mm. you are taking away the artistic license when you go you could build it yourself but there's already a more specific option here and then you fall into the trap of what if that specific option doesn't fulfil the role? Like you could have any guy and any gal or whatever combination being a Romeo and Juliet based on what you want the deck to do, 
Whereas if yeah, they make a Romeo and Juliet and they say this is what Romeo does and this is what Juliet does, you've kind of lost your freedom of what the does. And if does. you don't like what Romeo and Juliet the cards do, yeah, then you're stuck. You can't then pick another pair and then people go, "This is my Romeo and Juliet deck," and they go, "Well, well no, why are you using is... the Romeo and Juliet cards?" Yeah, exactly. yeah, 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 yeah. So is 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 I know when we've had something before, more is always more. Sometimes more can be too. I don't know. Is there such thing as too much or too specific? No, oh God, oh, know, we've we've built stuff. a whole brand on saying more is more. Yeah, I know. Which we already stole from the professor on Solarian Community. True. Page. Yeah. So we can't backtrack on that. No, no, no. We can say it was Double Jeopardy. I, no, 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 we can say it was his idea and not, not believe in it anymore. <laughs> Throw him under the bus. It was fine for this. It was fine this long, old man. But now you're wrong. <laughs> Shakespeare's to cloud. Yeah. Oh, man. Well, Tim, thank you so much for coming on. I feel guilty like... it's taken this long, but I don't feel sad with what we've ended up with. No, no absolutely, absolutely. absolutely. Well, I mean, we've banged on and sort of sandbagged it enough. But, Tim, what are you up to and where can people find you? Um, I mean, the easiest way that someone can find me in person is to walk into Rule Zero in East London because chances are at any given moment there's a medium to good chance I'm there. Yeah. Um, we're a lovely bar which also has lots of games which also has the theatre and all that lovely stuff. RuleZero.co.uk you can see what we're all about. We'll sit the links in the description. Yeah, come um, say hi. We, we get so many um, content creators friends or people visiting like a lot of our listeners are US based actually and like because that's just the way that magic content goes is that even if you're a European creator or UK creator you have a lot of like client in the US and like so many US listeners have been like messaged directly to the Twitter being like I'm in London where's this bar that you keep talking about <laughs> and like I think uh, also like some of our like uh, Adam the Gathering who's obviously like a UK creator he came down to yeah. Rule Zero well like, Gavin was down the other day Gavin Verhey yeah um, like in essence, like what I quite like, and it's going to be a weird thing how it pans out as people travel more and whatnot, is that somehow or other, by hook or by crook, we have got a little bit of a destination where it's just like, if people make it to London and like magic, I think we're one of the places that's worth checking out. Yeah, like, sure. It's going to be very strange the first time that Post Malone does a show in London. Yeah. Because I, I feel like he probably should come by and say hello. Yeah. But we shall see about that. For like, sure. Is your um, document, your sort of living document on the ban list still live on socials you it's, did post that once it upon is a time. live i can repost it on my twitter which is where i typically share it um i wrote that before i was a part of the commander advisory group arguably it's one of the reasons i'm now part of the commander advisory group it's basically a big long very long um <laughs> it was i read it from cover to cover document basically covering why every card that's on the commander ban list is banned and i stand by it Per my last reading, I think it's unlikely that I've changed it, a lot of it. Um, I am writing a slightly more succinct version to go on the Commander website for the Rules Committee slash CAG. And then um, once you've done that, they're done with you and you're kicked out. Yeah, no, no, no point, people well, won't, won't be able to argue anymore. They'll be like, oh, yeah, that's oh it's definitive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it is a weirdly ephemeral document, the uh, the band list. Mm. Like, it, it doesn't necessarily follow as straightforward a structure as some of the band lists for other bits mm. of magic. So it's, it's worth having a bit of insight on it. Um, and now I have the slightly inside line of being able to just be like, so, Sheldon. Why is this bad? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and by and large, it's what I've already said, but it's, it's helpful to get some uh, perspective on that that's not just mine. Um, in terms of other bits and pieces, yeah, my Twitter, I'm relatively active. When people message me, I can I will, will typically get back to them. That's at Tim's Wheelbarrow. Um, there's not a great story for why it's that. It's just I've been on the internet for a long time. <laughs> um, and... Um, yeah, I am very, very slowly. This was this started off as a um, lockdown project and then got 
put on pause a little bit when I had actual real gainful work to do. Mm. Uh, writing a book about Commando. Yes. Which is is getting there. You know, like there's one of those things that like you know you always try to polish things and polish and polish and polish and it might never be done. The problem is the, the format, not just the game, but the format is moving so quickly. Well, conveniently, I feel like I made some smart choices in terms of how it structured the book because it's not really a book that's designed to go. Here is what the cutting edge is and how to achieve it. It's not the right here, right now. It's more it's, it's, a generalised. It's giving people a whole bunch of tools to help them enjoy playing Commander more. Nice, yeah. So some of that is, you know, <laughs> for if you're, if you're not familiar with building decks, some general principles on which to build mm. decks. And some of it is, you know, how to use search engines well, how sure. to use, um, how to build a collection well such that it will scratch the right itch for you. But there's a lot of it, honestly, that's just about figuring out what constitutes a fun game for you mm. and working out what the tools are to make that true. So, like, it's really, really easy to build a really powerful deck yeah. that will just murder everybody. But at some point, I think we all hit that point where we go, oh, wait a second, winning isn't good enough anymore. Yeah. I, I, need, I need to build a deck where I am having a rewarding time and hopefully everyone else at the table is having a rewarding time. Yeah, that time. is definitely, that's definitely the sort of three month like uh, induction period into playing Commander. You see so many new players that will happily stomp the table and everyone goes, well done new player, you did it. And then three months later they'll go, yeah, so I took apart my Atraxa deck and now I've built this like Kiku Knight's Flower deck and you're like, yeah, now stop, let's go. Stop plugging your next deck then. I am actually building a Kiku Knight's Flower deck. <laughs> Is the title of your book going to be Drink Some Water, Go Outside and Touch Grass by any chance? Uh, <laughs> As good advice. Still still working on the title, but it's on the list. <laughs> it's, chill the fuck out, it's a card game. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, you are also going to be, I hope we can cut this if you don't want people to know your whereabouts. No, no. Uh, oh, good, all right, okay. We'll, we'll post the, uh, your address. Zero, Almost all the time. Apart <laughs> yeah. from, uh, apart from uh, Command Fest Barcelona. Si, si. I will be in Barcelona for that weekend. Um, I'm not quite sure what I'm doing, but some of it will definitely be play, <laughs> playing a whole bunch of Commander. Yeah, right. You're there to play Magic. Right? No, like what I'm like historically. Yes. You know, there is a Pro Tour going on. Historically, I would have been involved in coverage of the Pro Tour. Yes. To the best of my knowledge, I'm not involved with coverage of the Pro Tour. All right. Well, when they throw a jacket on yeah, your hand, you're like, "Oh, you're finally here. We've been waiting." Yeah. Um, but no, I, I will be hanging out in the Command Zone to some extent. I will be. At some parties. I mean, you remember extent. the CAG now, mate. You gotta, Oof, you gotta so you show live up. It, live it, live it large. You, you gotta take that people screaming at you about like why Edgar Markov's not banned completely. Oh, I, a... I, the one that I normally get more than most is the why is Coalition Victory banned? Yeah, that's that's always the one. It's well, po post the up one. your thesis and. Uh, people... I mean, it's literally there is there's over a thousand words just on why Coalition yeah. Victory is banned. So. Well, we are not going to Command Fest Barcelona. You're not even Nathan going to Command Fest London. No. It's the same weekend as Glastonbury. My, my, and my you boss. made your priorities more than known. You're going to yeah. Glastonbury instead of coming with me. No, I'm not going to Glastonbury. My boss is going to Glastonbury. Someone oh, has you're to working. run the venue. Oh, yeah. I take it back. I yeah, misread that situation. Appreciate it. Cheers. Well, it's, it's a shame because it's it's being held in Twickenham, which is where, where you and I went to university. It's where we met, buddy. Which is where we met, and you taught me how to play Magic. Yeah. It was a Magic Homecoming. I know. But no, not and now I'm either. going with the rest of our playgroup, and they're a bunch of nerds. They are, and they're definitely going to be listening to this because Tim's on it. They don't listen to it otherwise. Yeah, they're fair. Yeah, hi Will. Hey, <laughs> you play? Are you playing Simic again? <laughs> He's going to hate that. Um, I will be <laughs> at Command Fest London in Twickenham with a Magic Homecoming. Please come up and say hello. I'll be the one 
with a big grin on my face. And a big cutout of me. And a big cutout of Nathan. I wish we'd have, we should have planned that ahead of time. Oh, uh, right. well, there's still time. There's still a week. Uh, this, this episode will be coming out in the next couple of days after we record it, so it will be before I head off to Twickenham. And then we're going off on a little magic retreat with our play group. Yeah. Tim, you were working, which is why we assumed you were working, yeah, which is why we didn't right. invite you. Yeah. Four, four days. Awkward. It's all right. I'm, I'm really... I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about... I think, you know what? If anyone... Well, not anyone... The first five people at Magic Fest Barcelona that come up to me and reference this podcast by name, <laughs> I will have a "Don't be a dick" pin from the from Rule Zero to give them. Oh, yes. please don't tell us how few of those pins you give out. <laughs> like, these, these will be the first ones I've ever given out. Amazing! Oh, amazing! Oh, wow. Well, I'm definitely plugging that in the episode yeah, description. Absolutely. Listen to the end for a special offer. We never give things away. We never do. We don't have a Patreon. Yeah. We know you've asked for a Patreon. I'm looking directly at the well, mic now. This is weird having two people. We're waiting to get sponsored, so that's why. Well, well yeah. By who? <coughs> Sorry. Rule, well, we could get a sponsor. <laughs> I mean, I, I worked for Magic Madhouse, the, the card-selling company, and I mentioned very loudly in that office for the six months I worked there, I have a Magic podcast. Did they offer to sponsor well, us? We can do it with that tone of voice. I'm not surprised. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Only dogs could hear. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, look, it was during COVID. I couldn't bring you to work. I'm sorry. <laughs> I used to be a card grader. That's fucking wild. You used to work for Magic Man. Yeah, it's, 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 we all did. It's incredible how uh, poor your card evaluation is then. Yeah, hey I'm, really, I'm really sorry if circa 2022, 2021, you got some cards in the mail that were graded like... Good yeah, near mint, near mint, and then yeah, we're fucking shit. That. I'd play that for sure. I needed money. The world was in a pandemic. Um, all right, we'll leave it there. On that note, on that note, God Christ, let us know what you think of the Commodore Guff card that we got uh, via our Twitter at mtflavoring. Emails go to mtflavoring at gmail.com. Nathan, your Twitter is at fox in the moon. Mine is at Andy Manface. That we've done that the wrong way around. That felt weird in my mouth. It did. Oh, cool. Is yours Fox in the Moon? No, 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 no I usually say my one. My muscle to is that Andy Man face. Nathan's yours is. And I'm Fox in the Moon. Oh, Christ. Cool. Uh, we are the robots. We fulfill our mold. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. Tell this podcast to a friend. Tim, once again, thank you so much. Goodbye. We'll see you soon.